world changers in the house today at Palm City? Yeah, come on. Whether you're clapping or not, you are one. And um, for the next 30 minutes, that's, that's my job, is either to fire you up because you know you're one or to help you see that you are one. God not only wants to touch your life and save you from your sins, and that's a, an amazing free gift that's available to us, but he also wants us to get on the mission with him to go on the spiritual journey of becoming the person God created us to be. So we created a series called Become a World Changer Because You Are. But before we get into the message, I do want to say one thing that's happening in two weeks. From time to time, we always like to keep you up to speed on what's happening across church life. And so we're really excited about July. July's been pretty great, but we are fired up about August. I'll tell you one thing today that's coming up that we want you to be a part of. And that is two weeks from today on August 7th, we will not have in-person services here, but we will gather. That is the Sunday before all the kids go back to school. Come on, parents. Amen. Maranatha. Hallelujah. And uh, we let you live through summer, but get on back to school. And um, no, it's been great, but we're excited about all that. But that's the Sunday before they go back. And so we wanted to have a back-to-school drive, a chance where we get together and we have a good time. And so we're going to do that. We're going to assemble a hundred backpacks. That's our goal. And, and we can only say that we're going to do that many because of the faithful people at Palm City who make these things possible through generosity. But we're going to assemble 30 to $35 backpacks for a hundred students who are underprivileged and just may not have the gear and the essentials they need for a great school year. So we have 10 elementaries in the Wesley Chapel corridor. And so we've identified all 10 and we're connecting with them. And then we're going to bring them each 10 backpacks that they can give to kids in need. And we're going to do it not in Palm City's name. We're going to do it in the name of Jesus. Amen, everybody. So we want you to be a part August 7th at Wesley Chapel District Park. It's going to be from 10 to 1. But you know we're going to party a little bit. You know we're going to eat good. So we're going to have fun serving and assembling the backpacks on the front end. And then we're going to party with some hot dogs and some hamburgers. And we got a little DJ. Yo, what's up? We're going to mix it up. You know, I may get on the turntables. I don't know. But we're going to have a lot of fun. So this is not the Sunday to take off. Look at me real quick. This is not the Sunday to take off. This is the Sunday to lean in. That we're not just a church who gathers in a room and sits in rows. We're a family. We roll together. We do life together. We, we let our hair down and have a good meal together. And so it is the gathering, but it's happening in a different location on August 7th. And we want you to be there because it's going to be amazing. You can ask the team questions in the lobby if you have them, and we will be glad to get you answers. We don't want you to have questions. It's okay to have questions, but we want you to have answers. And so if you have questions, get answers. Uh, amen. So in week one of our brand new series, Becoming a World Changer, we said, man, if, if we're going to become something, uh, what would we want to become as a people, as a body, as a, as a flock, as God's people right here in this arena? And so week one, we said, man, we, we probably should become servant-hearted. I mean, that's probably a pretty good nature to take on as leaders, as Christians, is really life is not about us. When we give our life to Jesus, God's going to take care of us, but he wants us to take care of others. And so we got to learn servant leadership. So we dove into that, and we looked at the best example, Jesus, for all those answers and attributes. It was great. Go watch it online. Check out our YouTube station, everybody. It'll be great for you to subscribe to that channel right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Week two, um, week two we dove into divine purpose. So we said become a minister. First become a servant, then become a minister. And some of you were like, well, <laughs> that's your job. I'm not a minister. Oh, yeah, you are. 
According to scripture, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are Christ ambassadors as if he's making his appeal to the world. Be reconciled to God. So welcome to the ministry. We're so glad you're here. And that's what we talked about in week two. We would encourage you to go watch that as well. Week three, come on, today we're going to talk about influence. Come on, say influence. influence. You need and I need to become an influencer. Now, I'm not talking, you know, like on social media, although, you know, hit us up. Let's, let's become influencers on social media too. But some of you may think, oh, that's for politicians. That's for notable people. That's for people of prestige or that is for, you know, social media people. But that's what God has called us to be as a people. Here's, here's the deal. Mark 5 says this. You are the world's light. A city on a hill glowing in the night for all to see. Don't hide your light. How many times do we know we're a light, but we find ourselves through shame or through disappointment or through unmet expectations? We go, yeah, I am a light, but I've messed it up. I've blown it. I'm done. I'm out. Strike three. Back in the dugout. Now I'm living a life hiding my light. That's why the Bible would say don't do it because God knows we're prone to do it. The scripture goes on to say, let it shine for all. Let your good deeds glow for all to see so that... They will praise your heavenly father. God's plan, his grand plan, ultimately summed up in 30 seconds is this. He sent Jesus to do what you can't do for yourself. Jesus paid for your sins. You couldn't live a righteous life. You can't do enough good deeds to make yourself right with God. You needed a savior. I needed a savior. God saw that problem. He sent the solution in his son, Jesus Christ, who fully, once and for all, paid for your sins, past, present, in future, somebody say amen. amen. That's really good news. That's a free gift. But once you receive that free gift, your life is no longer your own. You have been bought by, with a price, and God wants to put you on a mission to help others find what you have found. And so he makes you a light. He is the light, but he makes you a light so that if you can partner with him and a group of people, you can shine and let your light help every other person in our city and in your areas of influence see it. And guess what they'll do? They'll want a relationship with your God because they'll see what God has done in your life. And they'll go, oh, maybe he's not who I thought he was. Maybe I can be used too. And they'll go on the journey. And that's what scripture is telling us. And so God's made you an influencer. Jeremiah 15 tells you that. It says this, you must influence them. Do not let them influence you. The Bible wouldn't tell you to influence if you're not an influencer. God wouldn't ask you to do something that he hasn't equipped you every way possible to be able to execute in a great way. Here, here's the definition, according to Webster, of influencer. It's a person who inspires or guides the action of others. So, so all of us can do that. Well, you're like, well, I, I don't have a platform. Oh, yeah, you do. Are you a husband? You have a platform under the roof of your home. Are you a business owner? Oh, yeah, you have employees. Well, I'm a, a business owner of one. Well, lead yourself well. Be a light to yourself, right? But are, are, you, are you a wife? Are you a mom? We all have a platform, and God's never boxed in the area of your platform to just a stage and some lights as ministry. The, the, the best ministry happens in the context of our spheres of influence. Our spheres of influence, and all of you have one. Now, sociologists would say all of us have about 12 people that would be considered in our sphere of influence. What, well, how do, how do they determine that? I'll tell you. I'm so glad you asked. Anyone that you spend an hour or more of time with per week would be someone in your sphere of influence. 
So begin to think in a seven-day period, who in your life are you spending an hour or more with a week? That person, according to sociologists, would be in the mix of your sphere of influence. You're thinking of them right now. Maybe a new prayer target list. Maybe a new a focus, a little fresh purpose in our life. That some of the people closest to us, we have the most influence with, and we are influencing the least. As a matter of fact, dads, this is a sad for us dads, and I'm not picking on you. I am one, so I can say this. Dads, on average, spend seven minutes with their kids per day. I'm not great at math, but seven times seven is 49 minutes. So parents, i.e. dads, don't even have a place of influence in their children's life. We've got to get better at that. But God is calling us whatever stream of influence we're in to make a difference in that arena. Here's seven of the areas that you're probably all in. The church, business, arts and entertainment, media, government, education, family. We all find ourselves in one of those areas making a difference. And so we've, we don't have to say, well, if God does this in my life, I'll make a difference in that area of influence. No, we can make a difference in the area of influence today. Now, I want to read you uh, a passage of Scripture to help illustrate this. And it's going to be a lot of verses, like 15. So, so, so hang on. Let's do it. Acts 16, 16 through 31 says this. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave. Now, this was a woman being trafficked, which is a big issue today, even in Tampa. She had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. So someone was using her based on what she could do for them in the area of finances. She was being trafficked. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. That's, that's the good news. She, she could tell that was the truth. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed. Come on, somebody just got free right there. Oh, the apostle Paul was annoyed. Yeah, that's what it says. It's okay every now and then. That he turned around and said to the spirit. Now, notice he didn't attack the person. He, he attacked the spirit that was influencing the person in a, in a negative way. And we got to be that way as a church. We can't hate people. Our war is not against flesh and blood. There's a spiritual realm that we are against, and it's not people. And the enemy wants to bring division to us. He's done it in race. He's done it in vaxxed and unvaxxed. He's done it in political parties. But our arguments and, and issues aren't with each other. It's that spirit of division trying to divide us all. Paul addressed that spirit. And when he was annoyed, he said, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. Now listen, uh, it, it wasn't a few days later. Okay, it, it wasn't, you know... Uh, Later on in, in the week, at that moment, at that moment, you need to know that you have the same power to speak and use the name of Jesus in your life. And at that moment, you may not see it with your natural eyes, but there is a shift when the name of Jesus is utilized in our life. At that moment, the Spirit left her. Verse 19, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates, policemen, and said, These men are Jews, and they are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, 
they took their ball and went home. Oh, my bad. After they had been severely flogged, they whined and gave up because it was hard. This is hard. That's not what the scripture says. They were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, how many know they were having a pretty bad day? And, and they didn't go just to prison. They went to the inner cell. And then even in the inner cell, the darkest of dark places, they were strapped into stocks. How many know we can't control what happens to us, but we can control our response? Let's keep reading. Verse 25, about midnight, pretty long day, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. How many know in this moment, if anybody was justified to be pouting, it was them? But they weren't pouting, they were still praising. And the other prisoners were listening to them because people are always watching how you handle hardship. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. How many know your praise doesn't only set you free, but it can set everyone around you free? Somebody better say amen. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew the sword out and was about to kill himself. He, he, he got suicidal real quick because he knew he had specific orders and because he botched those orders he would have been tortured for it because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're, we're still here. We up in here. The jailer called for lights because it was dark, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Did you know, based on how you handle pain, somebody else's life can be radically changed? Did you know how you go through a hard day not only matters and not only God has promised to bring you through that, but did you know how you do it actually can encourage others in their hard day? Did you know somebody can get into heaven because you refuse to quit? Who, who am I talking to in this place today where the devil's tried to take you out time after time again, trap after trap again, scheme after scheme again, but you're still standing. If you'll just keep trusting, keep praying, keep praising when you're in the darkness, God's going to bring you out and he's going to use you to bring others out too. Come on, let a shout of praise rise in this place today. That's good news. That's good news. But here's the response. I read you all those verses just to get you this response. Verse 31. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. Now, sometimes people think, okay, so if I get saved, it's gonna, he really needs to get saved. So I don't need it because I'm good. But if I'll do it, they get saved. That's not, that's not what the word means. Okay, it doesn't mean like you get saved and faith is individual. You have to make an individual decision. For, you can't, your mama can't get you there. Your daddy can't get you there, and parents, your kids can't get you there. You have to stand before God one day, and you have to present, what did I do with your son Jesus? That's, that's up to all of us. We all got to stand in that line. The word here, household, is the word oikos in the Greek, and it means this. It means those under your roof of influence. It means those in your relational covering, that when your life changes... You'll be a light, you'll let that light shine, and then others' lives have the potential of changing. God's already done the heavy lifting, but because you shined in their life, they went, oh my gosh, I knew what you've been through, and God's still using you in a great way, that we can make a difference because God's letting our light shine, and that our spheres of influence, albeit how different they are, 
can be used in a great way by God. So where do we take it? If you're writing notes, you got to take it first to your people. Come on, you got a crew, you got a tribe, you got a group of people that you have influence with. It, it may be your cubicle mates at work. Hello, I was in cubicles for nine years, man. I remember that cubicle life. Yo, what up, cubicle fam? We, we called it the bullpen, the bullpen. Maybe, maybe it's your uh, classmates at school. Maybe it's your business associates. Maybe it's your immediate family. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your kids. We can't win outside in. We got to win inside out. We got to first take it to our people. Here's what the Bible says in Mark 5, 19. Go home to your family and friends and tell them to turn or burn. No, doesn't say that. <laughs> go home to your family and friends and tell them get saved or go to hell. No, doesn't say that. What does it say? Go home to your family and friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. That our job is to be a witness. I was lost and now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I believe if God has done something radical in me that I really can't understand how it all happened, I just opened my heart to it and leaned in like never before. And if it can happen in me, friend, I hope it happens in you. That we are to be witnesses, simply sharing our side of the story. And that we do that with our closest friends. The second area of influence we can all have is not only with our people, but in our place. Did you know the Bible says God placed you right here and right now on purpose, with a purpose? We talked about it a little bit last week, but, and I didn't put it in my notes, but it's, it's Acts 17, somewhere around 25, 26, 27, the, where the Bible says that God strategically placed you all in a specific place at a specific time so that, remember last week we talked about so that, so that one day you would reach out to him and go, why, why this? Why now? And that you would have relationship with him. God did that in your life, that right here in Wesley Chapel, Odessa, Land of Lakes, Lutz, San Ann, all my friends from San Ann, Dade City, New Tampa, wherever you're coming from, God has placed you in this specific place at a specific time. I know you may feel like you got here by chance, but it's not by chance, it's by divine appointment. God has placed you here. I even believe you're in this room at Palm City Church on purpose. That you can't say, oh, I'm just going through life, navigating it. Oh, wherever the wind blows me, I'll go. That's, that's, that's true. God, God does speak and guide us. But he also leads us. And I believe each of us are led here today for a purpose. What's our goal in that area, whatever our place is? Psalm 90, 17 tells us that we would ask God to give us favor. Okay, you placed me here. So I need supernatural favor, which is simply doing things that I can't do in my own strength. It, it would be closing doors that I'm probably going to walk through unless they close. And it would be opening doors that I can't open on my best day. I don't have the strength. But if it's my destiny, God, you can open it. That we would say, may the favor of the Lord rest upon us. Establish the work of my hands. Yes, establish the work of my hands. I'll do the work, God. I'm not asking for a celestial Santa Claus to do the work for me. No, I'll grind. I'll work. I'll pray. I'll go through hard days. But I know that you established my hands. I know that you established the work. I got to do the work, but you got to establish it and give me a supernatural return on it because the favor of the Lord is going to rest upon us. We got to do it with our people, and we got to do it in our place. And now's the time. My vocation is my ministry location. Mm, somebody better post that. <laughs> the last area is my passion. Now, I'm not going to spend tons of time here because we talked about our purpose 
last week, but it is an area that we have to lean into, that God doesn't build his church on one person. When Kristen and I set out to be a part of what God was calling us to do, we knew that God would send us a group of people. We are not here building Palm City Church on our gifts and our ideas and our talents. We are here ready, looking around, seeing who God is sending us, and we want to build it on a group of people. That, that it's going to look like who God sends us, and your life needs to look the same. Look around you. What moments, what spaces, what places, and what people does God have in your life? And there is more of a divine purpose there than we may realize from time to time. Here's what the Bible says in Psalm 37. It's one of my all-time favorite. These first message I ever preached was out of these five verses. Verse 4 says this, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That, that phrase in the Hebrew, delight yourself in the Lord, simply is, is a picture because the Hebrew is very pictorial. It, it, it's a picture of a bride putting on her wedding gown in front of her husband for the first time. And I'm just telling you, when you not only just attend church, but you find your purpose, you find your God-given destiny, you find your reason for existing in your life, and you stand beautiful before the Lord based on what Jesus has done and the work you've done, oh, God goes, oh, when you do that, I'm going to give you the desires of your heart. But he doesn't just give you what you want. He gives you the want. That what God does when he gives you the desires of your heart, because we pray that prayer with wrong heart sometimes. What God does is he gives you the right heart, and then he fulfills the right heart. That's when God gives you the desires of your heart. He does it by giving you the right heart, wanting the right things, and then, of course, he's going to do that in and through your life when we live for him. Some of us are probably called to nations. Some, some of us are, are called to church or media or business or government, politics, God's used you and hardwired you in such a way, he needs you to get in spaces and places where you can be a light for him. That our life is not just attending church and hiding and waiting for the end. Our, our, our life is about being his ambassadors, as though God is making his appeal to the world through us, be reconciled to God. That's the mandate. That's the mission. So how do we do it? I want to give you three areas for us to grapple with, for us to think about, and for us to implement, most importantly, in our lives starting today. If, if we're going to make a difference, if we're, if we're going to not just try to make a living, but if we're going to make an impact, come on, life is, life is more than 40 hours a week and a bunch of problems. we got to get out of that mindset of just survival. No, 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 you got to go to a higher level and realize, yeah, i got some hardship and i got to do some work, but God's going to bring me through and my life's going to count because I'm going to make a difference, not in my name but in the name of Jesus. The first thing we've got to do, if you're taking notes, write this down, is our manner. Now, I'm from the South, and, and uh, grandmama, mom and them, my aunts, I, I don't, my best friend's grandmother, it didn't matter who it was, you know, somebody would be like, hey, mind your manners, mind your manners, that ain't, that ain't how we do it. And what were they doing? They were, they were correcting my actions. They were giving me guidance on wrong attitudes. I don't want to eat that. Well, I don't care. Eat or starve. You know what I mean? And, and you're going to do it with a smile because you're going to mind your manners. As Christians, our manner matters. Here's what the Bible says in Colossians 4, 5 through 6. Be wise in the way you talk. Be wise in the things you do. No, be wise in the way you act, your actions, 
Your manner matters. People will accept or reject God, not based on his goodness, because he's good. So many people throw away God, not because of God's bad, but by the behavior of their followers. That, that people, this is big, this is weighty. And you got to accept the responsibility if you want to be a world changer. I believe all of you are equipped and called to it, but you have to accept this mission or it will self-destruct in three, two. <laughs> be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Season with salt so that you may have an answer for everyone. This is one of the best reasons you need to get involved at church outside of just attending. You, you, you need help with your manner. You need to be called to a higher standard. Then just get some responsibility of being an example for other people in your life. Come on, if you lead a city group here at Palm City and you're leading a marriage group, my wife and I have done it, and you're arguing on a Monday and it's not going good, that argument will end because 30 people are rolling up to your house in 30 minutes. <laughs> Babe, we need to pray. You, I mean, you need to get right, but I'm going <laughs> to. Sometimes the motivation is not enough when it's just for us. If the motivation is only self-serving, we won't do it. But if we get someone in our life, a picture of God's going to use me, but it's on behalf of them. It, when you get a spouse, a team, a kids, you got people believing in you, counting on you, accepting your flaws, but helping you go to the next level in your life. When you get in that kind of relationship, I'm telling you, it will help you overcome the things that you just thought were generational. Well, mama was like this. Well, grandmama was like this. May it stop in Jesus' name with you that your manner can line up with God's word no matter what your genealogy tells you. No matter the, uh, the heritage and the things that have been passed down, it can stop today and God can change your action, but it stops with our manner. Number two, our moment. Is anybody with me today? Yeah. You getting anything out of this? Yeah. It's, it, it's real. It, it's time. Don't miss your moment. God has a moment for you. We talked about it last week. The word in the Greek for opportunity is the word kairos. That it's not an open-ended opportunity. Now, there's always a pathway back with God. He's a gracious God, a loving God. If we have a repentant heart, there's always a pathway back. I'm not talking about second chances and, 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 and chances to come back and start over if we mess up because we all mess up. I'm talking about little moments in time where God's calling you to some things that are uncomfortable. God's calling you to lean in and do the hard work even when it's hard. Those are the opportunities I'm talking about. That we may not miss those moments. There are 8 billion people, 7.8, just looked it up yesterday. 7.8 people, billion people on the planet. That's a lot of people. And in God's all-knowing, all-power, and all-wisdom, somehow he allows intersections and moments to happen that aren't natural. They're supernatural. We would call them divine appointments, where someone comes in your life at a time where you didn't even know how much you needed them and perhaps they needed you. That it's not just a one-way relationship, that, that God pairs people together in and, 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 and a church, in and, and your purpose. He, he pairs us together so that we can use our life for a great way. I want, you, I want to remind you today to look for your moment. If you're going to be an influencer, you got to, you got to watch your manner, but you got to look for your moment. you you got to be available and ready at all times. That that email tomorrow may not just be about that email, but Lord, I'm going to pray first knowing maybe I need to say it a certain way so that your purposes can get through. 
Maybe at the end of that text message, we, we put a little, love you, bro, praying for you, man. Maybe a little, God bless you. Maybe on that phone call, we, we end it with, hey, you, would you mind if I, I prayed for you? I heard some of the busyness and sickness going on in your family. And we got to look for moments. They don't have to be platform spotlight moments. They can be in our everyday what is seemingly mundane because God loves to use what most of us think is foolish to confound the wisdom of the world and to get glory out of it. God, God works those things in a great way. I want to tell somebody, don't miss your opportunity that's, bring, that's coming across your path today. I believe even in this moment, God has presented some people with some opportunities that's probably flipped up your plans. It, it, it's probably, it, and that's the person who's, who's been there before. God brought you something at a time where you wanted it, but you didn't expect it would be now. I'm encouraging you. That's a Kairos moment. Don't miss your moment. Step into those moments. Figure out how to do the work. Psalm 37 says, the steps of a world changer are ordered by the Lord. A good man, a world changer. Proverbs 69 says, in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. That's the verse I'm saying, that we make plans. We, we have a certain way that we want things to go. But at the same time, and while we do that, we still have to be open and postured, asking the Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? Because my life is not my own, and it's not really about my plans. It's your plans for me and your plans through me. So I will gladly lay down my agenda the way I thought things would go so that I can pick up yours. Don't miss your moment. Let's be available for them. And the last one, our message. Our message is not, you lousy, wicked sinners. That, that's not our message. Jesus is our message. Jesus is why we do everything. He's in the songs we sing. He's in the outreaches we do. He's in the backpacks we assemble. Jesus is our message. Our message is something that will make hell hate us. Amen. And I believe when you step into a world changer type mentality, hell hates to see you get up in the morning. I want to live a life where I'm not living in fear of an enemy that's already been defeated. Not in my name or my strength, but by the name of Jesus. I want when my feet to hit the floor, to hell get nervous and say, oh God, he's up again. What's going to happen? Less people are going to be trafficked today. Less people are going to be abused. Less people are going to be lost. And there's something in your heart that God has done that I don't have the gift to do, but you do. And hell needs to hate seeing you get up because Jesus is your message. He's the one that we preach. He's the one that we teach. 1 Peter 3 says this. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be ready. You need to have your life's testimony packaged in a little 90-second window. You want to hear mine? I, I grew up in church. I grew up in a, a great family with a, a dad who loved me but wasn't very spiritual and a mom who drug me to church when I didn't want to be there. And, and I love church. I, I love being there, but I never got that it was about relationship and not religion. So I became very performance-based in my Christian walk. I, I, I was in, I was out. If I do enough, I'm good. If I miss it, I probably shouldn't go. I, I had the wrong view of God, and then that led me to some poor choices and decisions to where I lost my way for a long time. But thanks be to God for the grace of Jesus Christ. We found a local church that was life-giving and introduced me to a relationship with God, one where I could experience him not just here, but here. And if, for the first time in my adult life, I realized that God accepts me as I am but loves me too much to leave me there. And then he began to take me on a journey. This is just my story. 
What's yours? You have one, a story that is unique to you that a world around you, i.e. your sphere of influence, needs to hear. It's the message of your life. But we all share a corporate message. It's 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. And here's what it says, and we'll close. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And check it out. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. What's your message? Jesus. Once you find him, you help others find him. Once he's changed your life, you tell them about the goodness of God and what God could potentially do in their life if they would come. The word reconcile is simply when we bring the account to zero. How many know Jesus has brought your balance to zero? Jesus, the free gift of salvation. You had a debt. You couldn't pay it. It was too large and too grandiose, but God sent his son Jesus to pay a debt you couldn't pay. The Bible says he became sin so that you could become righteousness. You could be in right standing with God through Christ, and then you could spend your life in your sphere of influence, say, hey, be reconciled to God. Would you bow in prayer? I believe there's somebody here today that maybe needs to experience reconciliation. Maybe it's in a marriage. Maybe it's with a family member. Maybe it's with God. Maybe, maybe you, you've been in a relationship with God. You love him. But for whatever reason, things have happened and you've just found yourself distanced from what the relationship used to be. Today, I want, I want you to know that that gap can be removed in a moment. Oftentimes, we feel like God left us when really it was us that walked away. Today, if you want to be included in a prayer that allows your heart to be made right with God again, I want to offer that to you. It it doesn't come through me. It comes through God's word and God's heart for the relationship he wants to have with you. This isn't about Palm City. This isn't about even a church. This is about your heart connected to God's heart. And that's ultimately what God wants for your life, a relationship. Maybe you're like me. Maybe your story has a little bit of religious experience in it. Maybe maybe you're done performing. Maybe you've tried a lot and found yourself empty at the end of the day. God wants a relationship. He wants to know you, not just intellectually, but intimately. If that's you today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. In the, in the quiet and safety of your own seat, I want you to whisper or say it out loud, this prayer. Jesus, today I give you my life. I accept what you did for me on the cross. I thank you for it. Today, Jesus, I'm asking that you would forgive my sins. Make me that new creation your word talks about. I really don't want to live out of an old mindset anymore. I really don't want to live out of old manners any longer. I don't want to live a life creating my own moments anymore. But I want to step into the ones you have for me. 
Would you fill me with your presence? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Today I give you my life in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray for us all, Lord, that in our homes, with our people, our crew, our tribe, that you would help us become a world changer. Help us to step into an influential life by loving those and leading those closest to us. I pray, Lord, that we would see the area and time you've placed us in as not an accident, but for a divine purpose. Lord, help us to take the passions and giftings you've placed on the inside of us and identify them and then find a place to use them on the regular. Lord, this is what you want for our lives. You want to save us and then use us. Father, today I pray that our actions would bring you glory. I pray that the way we live a quiet and peaceable life, Lord, would bring honor to your name and we would be a good reflection of who you are to the world around us. Lord, help us with our message to always have a reason for the hope we have. Help us, Lord, get practical today. Maybe even write it out. Maybe type it in a note that we can rehearse as we go into different places. Lord, we're not here to play games. We're here to do business with you. We're here to be set on mission. We're here to change the world by owning the world that you've placed us in. So, God, we ask for your help. We need your presence and your power. And we give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on, let's celebrate God. Come on, put your hands together. Thank you, Jesus.